You're listening to the Fiber Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 19, published on January 10th, 2023. This episode, we'll be talking to Kevin Dixie from Another Choice Training about a unique event that he hosts. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back and relax for this week's episode of the Fireman Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, for listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off in your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Manus X. I've been a longtime Manus user from their original Manus X to the new Manus X10 that came out with a couple of years ago, and now excited about their most recent product, Manus Blackbeard X. The Manus Blackbeard X combines the Manus 10 and the Manus Blackbeard system into one platform for the AR-15. It unleashes a completely new capability with in-depth dynamic shooting analysis, including motion-based analysis and multi-target engagement, something no one has done before. Manus Blackbeard X connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth and can easily download the Manus X application for Android and iOS. The Manus X application gives you history on all your previous sessions, as well as new drills for the modern sporting rifle. Manus X changed the way I train, and I think you'll find the Manus Blackbeard X is a great training aid for yourself and your students. Check out Manus X. For more information on their Manus products, including the new Manus Blackbeard systems, that is ManusX.com. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Kevin Dixie from No Other Choice Training. Welcome, Kevin, and thanks for taking time today to share your thoughts with our audience. No, man, I appreciate you having me on. My absolute pleasure. No problem at all. Well, hey, Kevin. Uh, First time being on the podcast. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and your background? Uh, sure. So I am a firearms instructor. I know a lot of people are here for that uh, particular component. I'm a community activist, have been for, God, man, I'm aging myself, about 25 years. Um, during that process, I took a job with the St. Louis City Police Department in our prisoner processing division. That's where I started getting my formal professional training with firearms. Uh, the baby of the group of guys that I was learning from had 30 years of experience at the time. Um, so I became that person that, you know, instructors love, but they also hate. I was the kid that was like, why did the gun go bang? Well, who made this? Why is it shaped like this? You know, all those questions, kind of an annoyance, but then they realized I wasn't going away. So I learned what I could learn about the gun, about tactics, about training, um, did my own exploring as well, went to see instructors at local to my area for myself, and then just kind of became a student of the gun. Uh, a few years after that, I started teaching people, you know, we're talking hot stove method when it comes to guns, how to use them, how to operate them, the basics, all basic stuff. And that elevated to training cadets that were nervous about getting through the police academy, making sure that they were proficient enough to pass the test. Um, and then from there, I realized that I actually had a knack uh, for teaching, which I always did. Uh, but when it came to the firearm, because I loved it so much because it protected all the civil liberties that I was already advocating for, I just came in indoctrinated with it and wanted good people to learn how to use firearms to defeat bad people. Right. Um, so I uh, did that for 10 years with the department. I left there. I went to a local university for um, for a couple of years. They were going to be ICALEA certified. That's when you see internationally accredited on the side of police vehicles. Uh, they abandoned that idea about a year and a half after I got there. Um, and I just I didn't want to hang around. If that's what we want. If that wasn't the direction we were going, um, then I jumped into corporate America for a while, but still did a lot of uh, 
uh, EP and bodyguarding services and uh, security services. So all together, working with a gun on my hip about 15 years and about 22 years teaching people how, the fundamentals of how to use them. Well, that's great. You've got definitely got a lot of experience that you can share with our uh, audience here and such. Um, first question I'd like to throw at you because you're the first instructor that we've uh, had that comes from the great state of Missouri. Can you describe to us a little bit about what the CCW process is out there in Missouri? Sure. So um, I was happy and I believe it was 2003 when we finally got that thing passed. I was one of the ones that was really uh, um, pushing for that. We finally got it passed. So the concealed carry process we do have constitutional carry in Missouri. I'm not there anymore, but um, I mean, I was there for a long time. Constitutional carry there is a little iffy. It's really not what you think it would be. Um, our concealed carry process is still what I recommend to people. So what you have to do is go take an eight-hour course. Um, that course, the state mandates minimum things that need to be covered in the course is all broken down. You know, certain amount of hours over self-defense, certain amount of hours over accessories, so forth and so on. So the instructor has to abide by that. Uh, we always talk to exceed that. I mean, it was pretty granular. I didn't agree with people having to take the training. That's a whole nother freedom conversation. But if we're going to have you in here, we're going to make sure that we really give you good information. Um, and so after you go through a class, you go to your local county sheriff with that certificate, that instructor has to be in the state's database. Uh, you go to your local county sheriff, uh, the fees will range at anywhere between 80 and $100. You pay that, you wait four to six weeks, you get your permit back and you're off uh, to the races. We do have I believe a five year, which is what I recommend for everybody. And then we have a, a 10 year and I believe a, a lifetime one after that, 25 year or a lifetime. Uh, but you you start losing a lot of uh, state reciprocity with other states that don't honor the ones past five years. Uh, so I always tell my students, get the one that uh, goes for five years because you get their reciprocity benefit. And after that, I mean, it's up to you. Now, once you get the permit, a lot of people, you know, unfortunately think that's the end of the road. Um, a few percentage of the individuals that we can, um, related them that this is just the beginning of your journey and they latch on and we carry it from there. Mm -hmm. uh, very interesting, similar kind of experience that I've had, um, in the back and training around here in Ohio and Ohio, we just hit past permitless <laughs> carry constitutional <laughs> carry. And one of the biggest questions I'm always uh, asked is, you know, why do I need a, uh, get a piece of plastic from the government and such. And, you know, like you, I go along and explain to them when it comes to reciprocity, when it comes to, you know, some laws in Ohio say specifically, you must have a permit, uh, concealed carry permit to go along and be in those areas to be able to carry specifically in like school zones and everything. And, and at the same time, one of the things where I tell people about it, you know, I mean, it's your right to have for constitutional carry as it should be, but it's also your responsibility to understand the law because if you walk into a prohibited area, i.e. post office, government building, then all of a sudden you're going to be paying the price for, uh, you know, being ignorant of what the law is. And those are some of those pieces that people don't always uh, know and understand when it comes to uh, the permitless uh, carry process. They just think they can carry wherever. Yeah. You know, another thing about the concealed carry process is this, uh, you know, although I'll always say I, I don't agree uh, with people having to do it. Uh, but when you look at some of the um, the silver linings that come with it, I mean, how many times I mean, pull a thousand concealed carry instructors and, you know, if they're if they've had more than two students, they've had this experience. You get people in that are reluctant and then you're 45 minutes into the class. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that. I'm like, well, yeah. Um, and if you don't know, uh, going through a class with a competent instructor is awesome. If for nothing else, you can be the best gunfighter in the world. Right. But if you don't understand how that gun can land you in prison, then it becomes more of a detriment to you than anything. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
getting, if nothing else, getting the state laws uh, broken down to you, having that conversation, understanding the do's and the don'ts, because within 30 minutes of teaching, I can always see the, the light bulbs going off because people thought they knew, but they really didn't know. So for, for if nothing but the laws, I would recommend people go in and have a conversation. Too often we try to get all our conversations from the, the family uh, dinner table or the barbershop or the barbecue, and that's just not the place to get it. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, you're, when you were in St. Louis, you were in the same kind of situation. I'm here in Cincinnati. I can basically throw a stone and be in another state in five minutes. Yep. And, you know, I got, you know, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, right. You know, I can literally see from my, from my window and that creates a whole lot of challenges to know and understand three different state laws because, uh, they vary. Um, they all recognize concealed carry, but at the same time, guess what? Um, Kentucky, you're allowed carrying anything concealed, but Indiana, Ohio is a little different. And those are, those, those are the pieces of the law that can really get you uh, tripped up when you all of a sudden you you do something, you forget which state you're in. And that's where you need to go along and know and understand the laws for sure, which, you know, especially around St. Louis there, you've got, you know, Illinois isn't that far away from you as well as, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee. Yep, absolutely. You can be in Illinois from, in downtown St. Louis. From downtown St. Louis to Illinois is literally a, a, a wrong turn on the highway. Five seconds, you're in a different state. Uh, and at one point in time, carrying a gun over there was an automatic felony. So, yeah, you have to be very aware of the laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, uh, one time I went out to uh, Kansas City, uh, Kansas, landed there and ended up in Kansas City, Missouri, because it was dark at night and couldn't quite see what we were doing. And I was a lot younger at the time, and this was before GPSs. Mm -hmm. And that's where you go along and realize it's like, wow, you know, one wrong turn, you end up in the wrong place. And carrying a firearm is uh, no excuse, as they say. Yep. Um, hey, Kevin, one, one event that uh, has come up before and people have recommended uh, going to it uh, this season is your train to learn event. Can you tell us a little bit about what your goals for that? event are and who maybe some of the speakers are that come to help to help you put it on well we um we pull from a lot of different speakers we kind of keep them as a surprise so we get a little closer uh but the training learn event was an event that i developed because in this freedom space there were a lot of individuals that had great ideas they were tremendous assets to what we do whether it's teaching or podcasting or advocating or whatever the manufacturing, whatever the thing was. And this can be um, pretty intimidating to a lot of people. And so they will come in, they will have all these great ideas and you look up and in a year, you don't see them anymore. Uh, they, they didn't know how to sustain. They didn't know how to make income from it. They just, they just didn't know general basic business practices. Uh, these are people that are passion driven and that's great. We are a very passion driven industry. At the same time, there is a business component to what we do. So, what I noticed is um, a lot of individuals would call and they would ask me questions. Hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I started realizing that, well, you know, in our in this community, there are a lot of different skill sets. And I'm talking about beyond the trigger. You got people with business degrees. You got people with a lot of different trade degrees. You got people with different experiences. A lot of people come from corporate America. Right. So there are a lot of different things that are out there. And what I wanted to do is create a professional development event where everyone that's in the freedom community is welcome. Uh, there is no, oh, hey, you're, you don't have, you know, 50,000 followers, so you can't attend. There is no, hey, you have to know a guy to know a guy to get in. As long as you have an established presence um, and you're in the business of guns, not, you know, not just an in-shooter. This is, it isn't an event for an in-shooter. 
Um, but if you are in the business of freedom, somehow, some way, this event is for you. We do one complete day of professional development. For example, when it comes to instructors, uh, we have one female instructor give a literal breakdown of how teaching basic firearm safety courses. She made a $247,000 in a year. And she broke it down how she did it from her marketing plan to how she did her books to um, how she leveraged companies to everything. Right? She broke it down. So she made a quarter million dollars teaching nothing but entry level courses. Right. So you get to hear from individuals like that. We're, we're going to talk about marketing, propaganda, uh, how to integrate your website and your social media together, how to run social media, how to deal with negative press, um, how to structure a business plan. Do you know how to keep your books? All those things are uh, different subjects and workshops we cover day one. And then we end it with some fun. Um, and the fun isn't just simply having fun. It's all about networking. So part of what we're always talking about is how to network. There are marketing executives there. There are people that there are manufacturers there. There are um, a lot of different people there. Um, two years ago, we had seven millionaires walking around the place. Right. So and I didn't tell people who they were because that's not important. You should know how to network. You don't know who here can be a resource to. you. So we have a lot of fun networking events to kind of disguise. Right. Axe throwing, laser tag. Um, things like that to kind of end the day, get you ready. Day two, uh, we're going to head out to the range and we are going to learn uh, four different disciplines. Uh, we always stick with pistol and rifle. And so you're going to have an opportunity to, to learn from people um, about how they run a gun, what they do and how they do it. These are small workshops. Uh, last year, we had um, medical training from Akil Bay, uh, Taylor Defense, uh, 23 years, 24 years as a Green Beret and an active paramedic now. So he came out and taught us about medical. We had Ryan and Amber with Fit the Fight a recognized gym uh, that travels all across the world, teaching um, hand-to-hand Krav Magras, their specialty. They came out and did a workshop for us. So you get all that learning experience. And then we have a, a night vision experience. It's not a training class, it's more so a lot of people don't get to you know shoot knives and stuff like that. So we have a night vision experience. We always end it with a big, huge bonfire. You know, we got 400 acres to ourselves. Nobody's out there to bother you. And you get to talk, you get to learn. We're serving you dinner. You're going to hear from the sponsors. They're going to uh, present their and promote their products. Right. And they're going to be looking for partners. So if you're if you're networking correctly, you know, this is a great opportunity to actually understand how to engage with companies. Another class that we do, we'll probably bring back this year is actually um, how to go out and seek sponsorships. And it's much more than just walking up to somebody saying, hey, send me a free thing. I'm, I'm a cool kid. You should send me a free thing. It goes a little bit deeper than that. And depending on what kind of business you operate, depends on what that relationship uh, what I like to call a strategic alliance looks like and how do you present that? How do you understand uh, what they're looking for? How do you understand how to rate yourself? What's your market? Who can you reach? Where, where is the proof? All those type of things. Then the third day is geared strictly around content. So the third day is around content creation. So you're here. Part of any business is, is uh, if you're on the, the social networks or the Internet, you're going to need marketing. You're going to need content. But we have an entire day dedicated to doing nothing but helping you absorb and grab content. That means, hey, you don't have a nice camera. We got nice cameras. If that means that you need video tips and tricks, we got people that are showing you that. So you get to gather this information, get the skills that you need, get the soft skills, actually get to run some guns, but you get to learn. So that's why we call it train and learn. You're going to be training, but you're also going to be learning because the goal is for you to leave there and operate and run a better business for we can have more people sticking around in this fight for freedom. So in uh, this, we're working on year five, it's Memorial Day weekend outside of St. Louis, Missouri uh, every year. And I think to this reported back from the small companies, uh, so far, those businesses have done close to $2 million in revenue that have attended the event. So now that's um, 
That's the number that's being reported to me. I'm not in people's books asking them to show me. That's just what they're telling me. Um, I added the figures up and that's what we came up with. So it's a great event to be at. It's a, it's a, a one of its kind. Uh, it, it's not being done. There have been a couple of people that tried to mimic it. They didn't, they didn't last very long. Um, but this event is exactly what I believe that the freedom community needs. It's there for you. You should take advantage of it. Now, we give you all that. We feed you three times. Um, and we do about $10,000 worth of giveaways every year. You get that entire weekend experience for 350 bucks. Oh, and matter of fact, this year, that includes 100 rounds of ammo out of the 250 that you need. So we're giving you almost half your ammo. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if, if people can't see the value in $350 for three days of training, networking, partying, food, ammo, giveaways, uh, and helping you improve who you are and be more dominant and lead there and be more successful and make more income, then I don't I don't know what will motivation. Yeah, I've seen events like that go for three hundred fifty dollars a day. So if that's you know three fifty for three days is uh, quite a bargain. And with the variety of topics there and the networking opportunity, that's uh, that's a very good event. And uh, I'm going to look look into making making that work in my schedule. So that'd be great to come out there and uh, take advantage of that. Be for great that to have you. too. Um, Katie, what do you do along lines when it comes to activists? I mean, obviously you've been talking about, you know, promoting, you know, freedom and doing different things like that, but I'm interested in hearing what you do from an activist standpoint. Um, well, when it comes to community work, I am from the inner city of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, so a lot of my activism work started in my local neighborhood. It started with, uh, people that grew up with me. It started with the black community and just fighting back, you know, uh, defeating the lies that we were always told, just fighting back. I just wanted to, you know, I grew up in the crack 90s. So I wanted to kind of make sure that we had the tools to defeat um, what we were taught was life. And it just wasn't life. And that, that brought me to arguing with these people that I found out to be called politicians, didn't know what those were. Um, and then I found out who they were when I started trying to promote uh, positivity and just a better life amongst me and my friends. This is a, I'm a kid that came from, you know, a, two failed attempts at suicide uh, from growing up in that environment and just just wanted better. Was tired of the violence, tired of all the, the craziness and just wanted better. I survived, it, did what I had to do, but I wanted better. So I started active, uh, being active in my community and pushing for equal rights and civil rights and things of that nature. And when the guns came along, is when I had an epiphany standing at the apartment one day and we were just standing talking about the Second Amendment. I was familiar with what it was. Um, and I've never been anti-gun, you know. Uh, and I'm standing there. I'm like, yeah, Second Amendment. Cool. You know, all right. I know what that is. I'm, I'm a dude that reads and understands stuff. Look, I got books behind me now. Right. I understand what that is. And then it hit me. It's like all these civil rights that we're talking about, everything that I've been preaching to people about. We got to protect it. Right. And then I, then it started reminding me of everything that historical uh, that I start addressing that I speak at conferences about that I, I bring to the light when I'm fighting against anti-gun types. It's like, oh, crap. There is no point of telling you to go out and build a life if you can't protect. And, and you can look at that from a tyrannical standpoint. But I tell people all the time, uh, even the person that's trying to deprive you of life and liberty, that is your own personal tyrant in that moment. That person is your tyrant. Right. So I just became very active and I blended the Second Amendment into what I do because it is it is very, very important. And then what I realized is when I got over to the Second Amendment community, uh, it was doing it all wrong. And when it came to being inclusive of individuals, it sucked. It was just bad. No other way around it. Um, because it was it was an antiquated way of fighting. Some of it needs to stay, right? Um, 
fighting against the, uh, the politicians lobbying and things like that. I got, I mean, that needs to say that always has to happen. Mm-hmm. But when it came to that grassroots movement that really reaching into the hearts and minds of people, you know, the second amendment community was so hell bent on conservatism, right. Being a Republican and things like that. And I'm like, you know, you're, you're fighting the, the battle the wrong way because a lot of people, um, in my community were born Democrats. They don't even know the difference, right? They just fight for the side they were told to fight for. So if you're trying to get somebody to understand freedom, you don't want to bring them into a political gang war because you're gonna they're gonna be on the opposite side of you, right? How do you bring them to the middle and just have a conversation, right? Leave the government out of it and just have a conversation with your fellow American. And I realized that that wasn't happening. And so I decided, you know, in all polite terms to come in and black some eyes in the Second Amendment community and make them listen and now we've blinked and myself and others, you know, we look up now and it's not abnormal to see um, African-American individuals with guns, which also spread over to other minority communities. And so now we're, we're steadily pushing that forward while we still educate, uh, while we still I do a lot of community outreach to my program, Aiming for the Truth, where we are out uh, feeding kids. We're, we're, we're teaching them how to read and write. I put 120 fathers in a partnership with the NFL called All Pro Dad. We put 120 followers back into the lives of their children, kind of break those generational curses and give kids, you know, an adult in their life. Give them a father, which is very important. Uh, But helping those fathers out with those skills, hell, helping them even get past all the tears when you've been disappointed in this kid for the last 10 years of their life. How do you break through that emotional barrier and get to them? Uh, We're out mentoring young boys that can be seen on my social media page, teaching them de-escalation skills, teaching them why they're important, teaching them their value and showing them that um, you are more than whatever. Uh, other people tell you that you are. And then at the same time, educating about what a gun is and how it represents their freedoms. So that's that's how I do it. And that's what I do. I'm unapologetically uh, about my community, but I'm also unapologetically American. And um, I think for a long time, people thought the two had to be uh, ex- uh, you know, separate from each other and nothing could be further from the truth. One beautiful thing about this country is the fact that we welcome people from all over the place as long as they come and they believe in the uh, the overall dream of freedom and liberty. Uh, even though we're going to argue on the way to that, right? If you believe in the overall dream of freedom and liberty, then that's great. So I'm not going to be shy about telling people I've been advocating for my community for 25 years. I will be advocating for my community until I die. And at the same time, I understand that my community is part of the American experience. So I'm going to fight for America just as hard. Yep. And, and that's, uh, that was really great to hear all that, uh, Kevin, because I think when you go along and think about it, you know, we're all pro 2A. You know, we're for firearms, but at the same time, there's so much more to each and every one of us of, you know, what, what the background we bring and being able to be, you know, uh, so passionate about your community and different things like that. It's, you know, that really helps because people realize that just because you are into guns doesn't make you, you know, anti-social with people just because you go along and you like to, you know, go to the range on, on the weekends or in the evenings type of thing doesn't make you, you know, any more doesn't make you a danger to other people it's going along and trying to reach out to those people and help making the community as a whole better because let's face it we can fight all we want or have all our guns i want but if uh, we go along and uh, the communities are falling apart around us you know it's it's going to be very bad and be better go along build up and then the need for guns is uh reduced significantly to just those uh, few criminals that, that are going to try to victimize us absolutely because you know, the majority of people, you know, I always go along and tell people, you know, when they, when somebody in class seems to be a little too afraid of, you know, 
cr criminals or being victimized is if we really did have, if the majority of people are criminals, we'd be in a world of hurt right now. You know, the majority of people, I mean, I'm talking 90 plus percent, probably 95 plus percent are good, honest people that all they want to do is live their life safely raise a family and you know grow old and you know what you know watch watch your kids and grandkids grow up i mean that's pretty much you know what what the american dream is you know having the freedom to do it the way you want to do it and instill instilling that into you know young kids to think about hey you know you want to be that 70 year old guy sitting there on the rocking chair on the porch see, seeing your kids you don't want to be making bad decisions now to lend lend you in in jail or worse and you know that's where that's a that's a great activism that you've been doing there uh, kevin i appreciate it thank you uh, and i think uh well if we get politicians out of the way on a lot a lot of issues i think we'd be in a lot better case but politicians unfortunately come with uh democracy and uh it's we got we got to have somebody there to compl complain about right yeah absolutely and you know as i go along and, I, and remind people that are shocked about when somebody gets elected i go along and said you know most cases i don't know how many people vote for a specific politician as much as they're voting against the other po politician which is kind of interesting when you think about it you know from an election standpoint i mean how many people really vote for that person or are they just voting for the against the other person yeah which is why we don't cover politics we just cover popularity it's, it's a main girls contest you mm -hmm. know it's 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 no longer about and I tell people that all the time. I wish people could walk out on stage and you don't identify one way or the other. We just want to strictly talk about policy. You're right. And I tell people all the time, and I, I did, I talked about this on another podcast and they, they were kind of their jaws at the floor. I was like, look, man, if I'm trying to, if, if I'm a person that's, you know, looking at, you know, my, my, my state center, right. I am, if the, if I am worried about the tax rates, the intrusiveness intrusiveness of the government into small business, the lack of investment into my local school system, um, how you're, uh, you know, how you view the constitution, are you, are you looking to, to change it? Or are you staunchly about the constitution? You know, I have to look at all these different things, infrastructure. It's a lot of stuff I need to look at. And as a family man, I'm worried about a lot of things that affect my family first, right? So when I'm looking at this mm -hmm. stuff. I, I don't care if seven years ago you had an affair on your wife. I, I just don't care. Right yeah, you're now. past it. You, yeah, you and your I, wife, you know, whatever you decided, you're past yeah, it. That is a family issue. God bless you guys. You know, I'll pray for you, but that is your personal business. That has nothing to do with the way you're going to impact these laws. So I don't like it when we get into all these mean girl contests. You know, you, your mailbox is full of all these flyers about why you should hate the other guy, but nothing about policy. It's all bland. We reduce taxes. No, you didn't. Right. Because when you really start breaking it down, no, you didn't. Um, just I want to just talk about policy because I want you, me, our families, our future, our businesses, the infrastructure of the country to be OK. I don't I don't really care about, oh, my God, I like this guy better than that guy. Like it's not going to get you free. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, just with the recent election cycle we went through, there were a whole lot of uh, people that you get done listening to them on TV and radio. <laughs> and I turned to my wife and literally would say it's like. Okay, they their whole commercial was about how bad the other guy was or the other person. They didn't give you a single taste, any information on, on what they were for, you know, from a policy perspective. And it's like, how do you vote for somebody like that who just runs on, you know, emotions, you know, empty, empty promises? Because, you know, the at the at the end of the day, 
it doesn't matter, you know, what, what they did, you know, like you said, 10 years ago, it's really going to come down and what are they going to do to improve your, your lives now? You know, from the stent, uh, spending perspective, when it comes from the taxing perspective, when it comes to, you know, how they view, you know, uh, law enforcement and, and prisons and all the, all, all these, uh, you know, different pieces, you know, mental health, um, you know, what, what about those services? Because if they really were for, uh, looked at it holistically across the community, they would realize, you know, the need for more mental health services to, for going along and having better, uh, more effective policing. And I put more effective policing under the, over or under the term of not necessarily going along, put more people in prison, but trying to do policing to keep more people out of prison so that they never get to that point where they get sentenced to prison. Right. I agree. I mean, um, the only problem, I agree. The only problem with that is there's big money in prison. So uh, the private, mm-hmm. the, the, the private prison system is, is, is big bucks. Um, our sitting United States president right now knows that also well, because people like me in, in the 90s, he absolutely enjoyed uh, incarcerating us at a high rate, right, which is still uh, having a lot of destructive effects on our communities and our families. Now, we still got people sitting in prison for, you know, the 1994 crime bill and things like that. And bringing it back to the and I, I don't like I don't really talk about politicians a lot by name unless they step in my arena. And Joe Biden has been in my life all my life. He's been a thorn in my side, him and, and, and the Clintons. I mean, they are. They are a violation of the American dream, especially when you come from communities like mine. Uh, and when you when you talk about and I know you you absolutely said it, effective policing. And when you talk about just giving people cops, I mean, they gave us thirteen point five billion dollars in prisons and they gave us one point five billion dollars in cops uh, to come into our communities and wreak havoc uh, and gave us so much. So we had to have an unfair sentencing act passed in 2010 because of the rules and laws that they passed back in the 90s. Right. So. Um, that's another reason going back to the popularity contest. I don't like it. Right. That this whole last cycle, it's not about who you voted for, but this entire last presidential cycle was all about you. Like, do you, do you dislike Trump enough to vote for Biden or do you dislike Biden enough to vote for Trump? Right. Um, so when he turned into a popularity contest, I can't even get people to listen. Like, Hey, I don't vote the way you vote. That is your freedom. I do want to let you know though, the guy that's telling you he wants to run your country right now, had no problem telling people like me that he didn't even want me in class with his kids because it would create a racial jungle. This is the same guy that said, I don't care how you became to become who you are. We need to put them in prison. It's the same guy that echoed um, super predators and the same guy that uh, was the architect of the 1994 crime bill. So much so it wasn't called the uh, crime bill originally. It was called the Biden bill. They changed the name of it at the last minute. So, but when you get into a popularity contest, it, you can't get that information through to people. Now, that's something that a guy did 15, 20 years ago that still does have impact on lives today. Had he just, mm-hmm. you know, had an extramarital affair or cheated on his taxes, then I wouldn't. But this is something where he actually went in and impacted millions of Americans' lives by incarcerating the family members um, and giving us sweeping gun control at the same time, right? So he he gave America the middle finger uh, from communities to freedom all at once. But yet we get into these popularity contests. We can't see that because you can't bring it up because we're into these mean girl contests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the uh, gun control, you know, continues today with, uh, you know, trying to pass another assault weapon, uh, you know, ban. And the one thing I go along and scratch my head about that is, is if assault weapons are really that bad, we'd be having a lot of problems with them, but there's still, you know, less than 1% of the total gun gun crime that happens out there in the public. So what are we really trying to, trying to achieve? And by just going along, calling, calling it, uh, assault weapons, we all know that 
AR-15 stands for Armalite Armalite Rifle. And with that, um, you know, every semi-automatic shotgun, every every semi-automatic other rifle, four doesn't have to look like the AR, but those are on the chopping blocks too, because as soon as they pass one, they're going to be coming after everything else because why? They're too dangerous. And why are they too dangerous? Because look how look how bad they look. You know, they, they just look mean. Well, we'll paint them a different color. They're not happy with that until all the guns are gone and the only ones that have guns are those. So Yeah, it's crazy because I think that these things are absolutely gorgeous. It's crazy. I guess it all beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I guess. When you go along and see what some people have been able to do with ARs, and I'm not talking about rate of fire, but you know, I'm talking about accuracy distance multi-caliber with all accessories with somebody who who has you know uh, uh, a handicap that might need something on you know on the gun put differently i mean it allows so many accessories be put on it that it really 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 is the american rifle that anybody and everybody can shoot i mean even small women can can shoot it you know i'm talking less than 100 pounds because you don't have a big smashing recoil like you do when you shoot a 12 gauge uh, shotgun you can you can go along and teach kids how to how to use it because they make it in a 22 long rifle which has zero recoil for the most part about it and you know what's the difference between all that how the gun looks that's the only only thing they're playing on when they go along and talk about the assault weapon ban which frustrating as uh everybody who's ever talked to me about it just uh do- doesn't make sense and how people want to jump behind it and all of a sudden you know ban something just because it looked like it's it almost sounds like it's racial you know when they go along and talk about it you know well you know what oddly enough there is a uh, a racial component to um the, the ban so when you look back now this is where uh conservatives get upset with me but if you go back to 1994 crime bill long story short what happened is they had the uh the, the assault weapons ban that sunset in 2004, right? But what they brought mm-hmm. to the table was that the conservative party brought to the table, um, hey, we want to take away uh, a large chunk of the money that you guys are putting into community programs, right? They called it welfare, but it was a lot of other community programs, reinvestment dollars and things like that. Now, this is coming from a government that introduced, proven, introduced, uh, you know, crack cocaine into these communities in new, in written documents found in court that it was going to bring destruction and chaos. Like, why wouldn't it, right? Um, so they said, hey, we don't want you to give uh, a lot of this money you're trying to give to these communities to rebuild or whatever your efforts are. It's too much money. And the other side said, well, all right, if we're going to give them some money, what are you guys going to do about these uh, about these uh, rifles? Hmm? We're going to give we go. We'll give up the money, but you got to give us some. So that's how you got your 10 year assault weapons. They shook hands. You have 49 Republicans that voted in favor of the 1994 crime bill because they exchanged dollars out of communities like mine for a mainstream America's gun rights. So it absolutely does have a racial component. Mm-hmm. And when you look back at like the 68 Gun Control Act also has uh, a racial oh, component yeah. too. Uh, with, the great, that. with the great gun guy, Ronald Reagan himself. Well, well yeah. 86 and then you got 68 uh those four i mean it's uh there there's all kinds of uh racial components to it which if you don't know the history behind it look up because there is quite a bit of um unfortunate um you know history along those lines where people where decisions were made specifically to strip uh american citizens of their you know constitutional given rights or god-given rights and things like that which uh is is wrong all the way around 
all the way yeah, around. That's why I try to uh, educate people. Like when you start looking at, it's an American problem, right? But, every, but everything has its genesis. Um, and it's like a cancer. It starts one place and it spreads if you don't treat it. So what people probably don't know, and I'll let them, you know, we don't have time to talk about it tonight. I'll let them, you know, do a lot of digging on their own and just follow my channel. Uh, but gun control to what it is today started before we were even a nation. It started when we were colonies. And they wrote specific uh, what they call black codes uh, for uh, um, I'm sorry, for slaves. That's what they wrote them for. So one of the codes stated that if you saw a slave with anything that can be used as a weapon in the law, they use cane as an example. And they weren't under a master's uh, watch. Then you as a white man could kill them and leave them on the side of the road. No questions asked. Right. Like these are these are laws or codes that were written before we established as a country. And when you look at the ratification of the Second Amendment in 1791, 1792, when you look at that ratification, still um, America was free in 1776. Gun rights were confirmed in the 1790s. Uh, people like me were still property. Right. So you didn't write gun laws for us. Right. We were we were still property. We couldn't own. We, we couldn't we didn't have rights. So we couldn't own guns. And then as you start progressing throughout history, uh, even Florida uh, finally paid out recently. Uh, last few years, they finally paid out to the survivors of Rosewood, Florida, who were a, a town of black people that were uh, murdered uh, by a white mob that included the sheriff at one point. They finally paid th those families because the state said we didn't protect you. All right. You look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, the first bombings on American soil was not in Pearl Harbor. As tragic as, a, as an incident as that was, they actually happened in right, right in the Midwest in Oklahoma. So when you start looking at all these things and how um, Saturday night special laws and all those, all those gun control laws were for people like me. What happened is that America at the time didn't see a reason enough to really fight it. They thought that you were keeping the, you know, the, the wild people in check, right? Yeah, don't get those black souls freedoms. And what happened is because it went unchecked, it spread. Mm -hmm. And now it's everywhere. And now it's a problem, right? And it's, it's not directly your fault or mine, but now because America as a whole didn't say, no, this is wrong to do to other Americans. Now, all of a sudden, I don't care where you are. You are not safe from somebody trying to pass gun control and deprive you of your freedoms. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter your income level. Doesn't matter where you live. Now everybody's affected by it because we didn't stop the cancer when it started. And I point one thing out to no matter who you are, it, with the gun controller passing, if you go along and run a foul law, the legal expenses will be punishment, even if they don't find you guilty, which mm -hmm. is one of those things that, um, you know, a lot of times people, you know, I've got the constitution on my side. It's like, yes, you do. There's only one problem. If you go along and have to defend that in court, don't, you know, you're not going to stand up there by yourself trying to defend your rights. You're going to be paying a lawyer that's making $500 an hour and with a minimum of, you know, $50,000 retainer. He's going to be the one standing up there defending your rights. And that's one of those things where, you know, be ready to write some big checks. Absolutely. And if I take so your we, money, you won't be able to afford to buy a gun anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's, uh, that's the one reality of the situation that we've got in the legal system currently is uh, they can use the legal system as punishment, even if they don't find you guilty. And, you know, you can be sued over anything too. So you're not only protecting your freedom on one side, but you're protecting your financial uh, house on the other side because they can uh, see you into the dirt and below if uh, they get a judgment against you. Absolutely. So, Got to be smart about it. Well, hey, uh, Kevin, been going along and uh, asking all our guests this year to recommend an annual training event that you think they should check out that would be uh, good for them from a professional development standpoint. Do you have a recommendation? Uh, I might. 
Uh, how about uh, Train Alert? <laughs> Sign up I thought you might come up with that. <laughs> Sign up at NewOrleansChoice.com. We do limit. Uh, so I would highly recommend Train Alert. We do limit it to 60 registrants. I think we're about halfway there now. Uh, the event is in March. So I would say, you know, go in, get your ticket. We even have it to where you can finance it. Money is a real thing. I tell people that all the time, even though I, there's no arguing that the, the amount is very affordable and very reasonable. Uh, however, money is still a real thing to, to a lot of Americans. We're, we're in a we're in an interesting time right now. So you can finance the, the 350 uh, through the website right there uh, for four months interest free. Um, and then once you um, you pay it off, I mean, once you sign up for it, you register, you're good to go. And then you can wait a couple of months and lock in your hotel and travel and stuff like that. But uh, train to learn is, is where you want to be. Once again, it's a, it's a small group of 60 of us. Uh, but we are we are spending three days really gearing you up for professional development. If you've got questions about how do I, you know, become an instructor, you're, you're a guy or a girl right now that's just teaching, you know, 20 miles, you know, from your house. That's about as far as you went, but you want to go more then you get to ask a guy like me, how did I become a, a kid in St. Louis doing this? And next year I got classes all the way out in Alaska, right? You get to ask those kind of questions. You get to ask people that are, are teaching internationally, you know, how do you do that? You get to and you get to get the roadmap. You know, so many times we get these like these answers, like when you, you ask a motivational speaker, like, well, how did you achieve it? Just work hard. No. What did you do? Man? <laughs> right. Buy my book and, and work hard at it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what you get. <laughs> yeah, we're going to give you those details and you're going to be surrounded by industry peers um, that are there to share and exchange information. And not just the people teaching. I mean, it, we said 60 people. You never know who's going to be sitting next to you. Right. So a lot of individuals out there. So training learn is where you want to be. Uh, we do have some great sponsors uh, for instructors. USCCA is one of the, the sponsors that's been with us since the beginning. Uh, so USCCA and there are a couple of their execs are actually on site. Right. So we'll have USCCA there. We got uh, Brownells is going to be there. Primary Arms is going to be there. Um, uh, MGS Gun School is going to be there this year. So if you're if you're if you liking that kind of stuff as far as getting a, a certificate in gunsmithing and things like that. They'll be out there. I mean, we got Tactical Life showing up. We have, oh man, Walker's GSM Brands is going to be there. We have Carolina Custom Foam. We got a lot of industry partners. Uh, and forgive me if I forgot anybody, guys, but we got a lot of industry partners that are going to be there because they want to help. They want to see this thing work and they want to see people in the freedom community succeed. So you're not going to get this anywhere else. Normally, when you go to a range that you see the guy from Brownell standing over there, you know, you don't get to have a, a, a conversation with them. To, to see, you know, hey, how, how can I work with you guys? What are your requirements? You don't get to do that. Where our event is catered to you being able to have those kind of conversations. Hey, hey Kevin, let me ask you a question. You talked about, you know, uh, you know bring a pistol, bring, bring, uh, bring ammo, bring your rifle, uh, all those types of things. What non-firearm stuff should somebody be bringing? Because I'm going through the back of my mind and thinking, okay, camera, microphone, um, you know, notebooks, uh, you know, different things along those lines. What would you recommend a, additional besides this firearm stuff? Uh, we have, I have a list of things on the website, uh, but let me try to go beyond the website. Um, I would say, well, one thing I'm going to recommend everybody do is always have a, a source of hydration. Right. Always. If you if you've never done a, a large training class, like you need you need hydration. So bring a hydration camel pack, camel back, whatever you want, you know, big water jug, whatever you're comfortable with. Bring a, a source of hydration. Um, if you are a content creator trying to gather content, then I'm going to recommend you probably don't. I mean, if you have like a, a nice camera, bring it. 
but I wouldn't carry that around with me on the range. I would probably, you know, make sure I have a, a nice cell phone, something easy and compact that you can move around, maybe drop here and there. Don't have to worry about, you know, breaking your $3,000 uh, setup that you need back at home. Um, bring, uh, so bring a nice tripod, a tall one. I would recommend one that's at least uh, five and a half feet tall. Uh, carbon fiber, if you can get one, if not one of the plastic uh, ones off Amazon will work just fine. Um, bring, pack a little bit of uh, extra rain gear, just in case it rains. It's Midwest, you never know what we'll get. Uh, pack a little bit of rain gear. Uh, protein snacks, all right, obviously it depends on your diet and your health, but something that can give you a quick boost, you know, a protein bar. I highly recommend, uh, I, I highly discourage, I'm sorry, uh, from doing things like potato chips and stuff like that, that are high in carbs, high in sodium, stuff like that you want to kind of watch. Um, other than that, um, that's it. You know, it's really, notepad is something we provide for you, but if you got a favorite notepad, bring it. I always tell people bring a source to take notes because you are going to be in workshop. So you absolutely should be doing that. Uh, but other than that, and other things that we list on the website, you don't really need much. We try to keep it um, really reasonable. Um, bring an appetite for learning. Right. We're also going to give you, if you're that kind of person, we also, when the guns are all put up, we uh, we do a, a bourbon and cigar pairing class every year. So when the guns are all secure, we give you a nice core bourbon on the house and give you a nice cigar if that's your thing. And we sit around a bonfire and we talk. So um, now, nah, man, bring ammo, bring your guns, um, bring whatever gear you like to wear. If you're just a person that likes to wear jeans and a T-shirt and inside the waist carry. All right. Cool. Do it. If you're somebody that wants to try out that new gear you got, battle belt, plate carrier, do it. Whatever you want. Other than that, come as you are. That sounds good. That sounds like a really great event, and I'm be checking that out. Well, Kevin, where can people find out about you and uh, what your uh, which classes you're doing and where you're training at? Uh, you can find everything uh, about me at norbertchoice.com. Just notherchoice.com. You can also follow on um, all your social media platforms. I am the most active on Instagram, but. Um, I'm really pushing out the YouTube platform now and uh, back on Facebook, but all of them are the same. The Real NOC for no other choice. So The Real NOC on all your social media platforms. I am very personable. I do have a bad case of RBF, uh, but I'm a very, very nice guy. So just engage with me, ask your questions. I, can help, I will help you out any way I can and hope to uh, interact with you soon. Sounds great, Kevin. I appreciate your time this evening and sharing your knowledge with our audience. No, I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. That's a wrap for this episode. And I hope you found it interesting what Kevin talked about. If you did, feel free to share that with your friends. Pass it along. Do you have a topic you'd like me to talk about or know somebody that, that I should interview? Maybe even you. Send your suggestions to me at FTP at concealedcarry.com. You can always leave us comments on our Facebook page or on our website at firetrainerpodcast.com. And also at our website, you can listen to previous episodes of our podcast and search for content. I also want to ask you to leave us a review on Google Play or iTunes or wherever you listen to us at. These ratings help people find us and help people see the value that you find in our content. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Establishing your business was your first step. Next step should be getting FTA coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time, energy, and to making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone.
Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.